photographing snowflakes. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Dr. Nathan Mirvold, former chief technology officer at Microsoft, founder of Microsoft Research, founder and CEO of Intellectual Ventures, scientist, technologist, inventor, author, and snowflake photographer. Welcome back, Nathan. Thank you. The last time you were on the show, we discussed your book, Modernist Bread. I'm not sure if you'd started photographing snowflakes yet. So what got you into the specialty? Well, it, as an outgrowth of the modernist series of cookbooks, modernist cuisine, uh, modernist bread, uh, modernist cuisine at home, uh, we started getting requests where people wanted to buy pictures from the books. Uh, and so we wound up opening some galleries called the Modernist Cuisine Galleries. And those are focused on food photography primarily because that's what was in the books. Uh, now, along the way, I wound up reshooting almost everything. Very little of it's from the books because I, there was new technology available. Um, and one of the themes I like to do is to show people a vision of food they wouldn't normally see or they wouldn't normally think about. So in some cases, that's to look at ingredients or how things are grown, part of the whole chain. You know, billions of people will have a beer today. Very, very few of them could recognize a hop plant. <laughs> Hops are a very strange looking thing. Um, so that's one example. And along the way, I, uh, of course, as a kid, I'd seen pictures of snowflakes and seen how cool looking they are. And, and I decided that, hey, that counts as food. You know, water is absolutely essential to our survival. We ingest it uh, all the time. And the majority of the uh, water that we drink during the summer uh, fell as snow somewhere during the winter and melted and went into a reservoir. That's why we're, we're getting it for the... Uh, uh, for the summer. I guess that's not true if you drink Fiji water. Fiji water never was a snowflake, <laughs> but uh, everything else was. Um, and I had met a guy named Ken Liebricht, who's a physics professor at Caltech, who is the greatest living snowflake photographer. And uh, he has been doing it for decades. And so I uh, learned a lot from him but I decided I wanted to build my own rig and try to do it with state-of-the-art technology, making it much higher resolution and um, try to improve it in a couple other ways. So I did. <laughs> well, what, what are some of the technological and optical challenges of photographing something maybe as small and ephemeral as a snowflake? Well, so first of all, well, it's the two things you said, it's small and it's ephemeral. So snowflakes are typically one to, in extreme cases, maybe 10 millimeters across, but probably, you know, two or three is, is a big snowflake normally. So they're little, that's thing number one. They're intricate, they got lots of detail. So you wanna have lots of resolution when you look at them. And you can't take them inside. <laughs> If you take a snowflake from outside, inside, it will uh, disintegrate in almost no time. Um, 
Now you might say, oh, I've had one of my coat last for a couple of minutes inside. If you looked it up close, you would see it's degrading tremendously. So snowflakes grow by a process of water vapor in the air directly becoming a solid. So they don't go through a liquid phase. There's no liquid drops. That's part of the secret of how they get this intricate detail. Um, well, they also die that way. And that's a process called sublimation. It's where you have uh, a solid ice goes directly into vapor. And so you, you really, you have to take all of your equipment outside rather than to bring the snowflake inside. And even then you have to be really careful because if you put it on a warm microscope slide, for example, it melts right away or uh, sublimes. Um, sublimates is the word, <laughs> not sublime. <laughs> so for example, on my microscope, I use artificial sapphire as our uh, substrate to photograph it on. Uh, it turns out the world makes artificial uh, sapphire in little discs because it's used as the crystal on high-end watches. <laughs> um, and it's perfectly clear, but it has eight times the thermal conductivity of glass. So I then have a whole um, system that chills that uh, sapphire. So it's at or below ambient temperature when I put the snowflake on. Um, now to take your, your microscope out in the snow or out in, in this weather, it's got to work at really low temperatures. And that's a problem because metal parts tend to uh, contract or expand with heat. So you can't use, it, it's difficult to build the whole thing out of metal, particularly big pieces. So it's, I build out of carbon fiber primarily. But then you have a problem that if you take a very high resolution uh, photograph uh, uh, at high magnification, it winds up having shallow depth of field. So that means that very little of the snowflake is in focus. Now there's a solution to that, which is called focus stacking, where you take multiple pictures and you change the focus a tiny amount in between each picture. Um, so uh, this microscope is set up to do that, but you, that means you have to move the microscope by a fraction of a micron. Now, uh, your hair and my hair is 80 to 100 microns thick. So this is a thousandth of a human hair is sort of the, the size that you're actually moving the thing. So that requires very special equipment. Um, and then that's all done under computer control because you want to do it quickly because uh, otherwise Snowflake will go, you know, disappear or lose quality. Um, well, then you need to light the Snowflake. And of course, if you put a really bright light on it, uh, it'll melt. <laughs> so, but you need a lot of brightness to take the picture. Um, so we have a special uh, LED lighting system that pulses the LEDs so the 
flash duration lasts about a millionth of a second. Now, a ordinary flash on a camera lasts about a thousandth of a second. The flash on your cell phone lasts much longer. That's also an LED, but it's not being pulsed the way we're pulsing these guys. Um, and so all of that has to come together, but then you also need it to be snowing. And it has to be snowing in a place that's really cold. Um, because it turns out the very best looking snowflakes uh, are made only at very cold temperatures. Uh, if the temperature is warm, meaning it's just a few degrees below freezing, you don't normally get very good looking snowflakes. Um, now, what really matters is the temperature up in the sky where the snowflakes are forming. And that's got to be at least uh, five degrees Fahrenheit or lower. That's minus 15 centigrade. So very cold. And you'd really like it to be that cold all the way down to where you are. And most places uh, that where snow falls aren't reliably that cold. Um, I, I was thinking originally, hey, this is great. We'll take this thing to ski resorts. And, you know, I, I, I'll go out on the, in the ski resort and collect the snowflakes. And, you know, then we can hit the hot tub later and it'll be great. But no, uh, almost all uh, ski resorts are in places that don't habitually get that cold. It's just too cold to be able to go out. So, um, that means you wind up going to places like uh, Fairbanks, Alaska, or Yellowknife, Canada, or a town called Timmins in Canada, uh, where it snows a lot and it's really cold. And the final thing is you need a hotel room or an Airbnb that has a balcony. <laughs> and the hotel people, uh, think you're crazy when you're asking if they have a balcony in January. Because <laughs> who the hell is going to go out on the deck, <laughs> you know, in January? But I, I am. <laughs> so we set all of this stuff up on the balcony. Uh, and then inside, we have power supplies and computers and all kinds of things that are sort of the life support system for the, um, the microscope that's outside. Uh, plus, we have my life support system, which means <laughs> we have hot coffee ready for, for when you come in out of the cold. It sounds like your life support system is actually a jacuzzi from what I heard you say earlier. So. <laughs> it turns out none of the places I went to last winter had a jacuzzi. <laughs> well, that uh, or, doesn't really they, they seem had important, it, but, but for it you was it not is. during the winter. It wasn't a winter thing, so... Now, you mentioned focus stacking. You're not just talking about three or four images. It's more like a few hundred, correct? Yeah. Yeah, typically it's a hundred for snowflakes. It can be several hundred. Um, so uh, the snowflakes that we're most used to seeing and the, the mostly the kind that I take pictures of is a flat plate. And that flat plate at high resolution takes about a hundred stacks to get its depth. But you can get all kinds of other weird shapes. Um, 
one very cool kind I've not managed to get a good photo of yet has got one round flat snowflake and another one. And then in between, there's what like an axle. And that's a hexagonal little column and it connects these two. And you look at it and say, you're kidding, but you know, snowflakes get made that way sometimes. Well, so my next question was exactly that. Is there an elusive snowflake that would produce, I don't know, maybe this holy grail of snowflake photography? Um, and well, and how, how can you capture that? Well, so my, uh, uh, my snowflake photography at the moment is snowflake limited. Um, I raced last year to get the, uh, all the equipment built and then did uh, a couple of trips. Um, and that was in February uh, of late February and uh, maybe the first week of March of last year. Well, then the pandemic shut the world down. <laughs> and this, uh, this winter we've not been able to go because Alaska and Canada are both locked down. Um, but it, when you're out there, it is remarkable how the snowflakes will change. Um, it, if you were just sitting there looking outside, you'd say, oh yeah, it's been snowing for hours. But I go out every few minutes and all of a sudden the snowflakes will change. You wouldn't see that change from just looking out the window. But uh, for example, snowflakes are typically six, um, have six arms uh, or have some other hexagonal symmetry. And that's because when water freezes, it's a crystal that has that kind of symmetry. And for some of the same reasons that say a quartz crystal has a characteristic shape, so does a, um, a water crystal. But you can get all of a sudden 12-sided ones where two of them start growing and they grow on top of each other into one 12-sided. And uh, I've only seen a few of those, but like all of a sudden it switches and all the, almost all the flakes are 12-sided. And by the time I, I, I took a picture, it didn't come out that great. I, I went to grab another picture. And by the time I was taking like the third one, they were gone. It, it moved on to something else. Um, and that's because the snowflake is very, very sensitive to the conditions that happen in the cloud where it forms. Now, that's why people say, oh, there's no two snowflakes alike. And sadly, I have to tell you, this is false. Um, when it comes to the really beautiful, um, fancy flakes, the, the snowflakes that I like the most are called stellated dendrites. That's ones that look like a star and each arm of the star has little projections off of it, kind of like uh, a fern leaf does. Um, but it turns out at some temperatures, you get only hexagonal columns or only plain uh, hexagonal little plates uh, or only uh, little piles of crap all stuck together. Um, and uh, that, uh, when it's snowing like that, oh yeah, there's billions that are alike. <laughs> but 
but under the perfect conditions to make a pretty, a pretty flake, it's highly sensitive. And the fact that they are symmetric is primarily because the conditions very, very close to the snowflake are almost the same for on one side or the other. So whatever one side's gonna do, or one arm, pretty much the other arm's gonna do, but not perfectly. Uh, there are very few, if any, snowflakes that are perfectly symmetric. Um, now, there's billions out there, so uh, there may well have, some have come and gone, but I've never seen one that's perfectly symmetric. Well, I know you're on a mission to do that, right, Nathan? <laughs> well, I got to get out there and take more, more snowflake photos, but the world's got to come back. So winter um, of 2020 to 2021 is not looking good for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're always interested in doing uh, interesting projects and, and creating new uh, obstacles to overcome. I, I would say as far as this goes, what, what life lessons has mastering the specialty taught you about yourself and maybe the natural world? Well, I think the first is that all great projects involve some naivete up front. <laughs> um, I thought it would take three months to build the uh, thing. It took about 18 months. <laughs> it was a lot harder than I thought, but that's okay. Um, you, you know, I... I like photography and particularly this kind of photography because it makes you look at snowflakes in a more detailed way. Lots of people are snowed on. For, and for me, like everybody else, if it's blocking my way or if it means, you know, a road is closed or some of the thing, it can be a big inconvenience. But if they're beautiful. And there's billions of them out there. And so you look at this very beautiful one that you've got under the microscope, and then you look out and say, oh my God, there's billions of these beautiful things. And, <coughs> and without the discipline of trying to take the photo, I wouldn't be looking at them so closely. And I wouldn't be appreciating them the same way. And then part of the point of the photography then is to take those photos and let other people appreciate them and say, okay, people who aren't in a place where it's snowing, you can still think, hey, here's an insanely simple thing. It's just a little bit of water. But that little bit of water under the unique ways that it freezes in clouds can be stunningly beautiful. In a world filled with chaos, you're having a stop and take a look at the beautiful snowflakes. Dr. Nathan Miravold, snowflake photographer, former chief technology officer at Microsoft, founder of Microsoft Research, founder and CEO of Intellectual Ventures, scientist, technologist, inventor, and author of the James Beard award-winning book, Modernist Bread. If somebody wants to find you, maybe they want to um, find more pictures of your, of your beautiful snowflake photography, well, how can they do that, Nathan? Uh, so the photos are on the website of the gallery, um, which is modernistcuisinegalleries.com, all one, one big word. Uh, and so we've got the photos there, um, and then they're also uh, going to be uh, available uh, in our galleries. I don't think they're all up yet, um, uh, but uh, that way, if you're near one of the galleries, you can actually see them as a big print, which... Um, that's sort of another thing I 
I try to do the super high res photography because I like making big prints. Uh, because there's something about seeing a very tiny thing, you know, many feet across, that's really dramatic. Well, I can't wait for the world to open back up so I can go see these in person, because to your point, I bet seeing them at that scale with that detail is, is quite beautiful. Uh, yeah. Nathan, thank you so much for coming on and talking about your story and, and what you're working on these days. Uh, thanks so much again. Okay, well, thank you. Thanks. And you can find more of my interviews right here on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.